of I'm going to write off a message that I I preached not too long ago, but I feel like the Lord's expanded my understanding of it even more, and I want to share that with you. And there's possibly no more fitting month of the year to talk about the birth of Christ. You know, sometimes as as humans, we like to we like to think we're so special that our birthday deserves like a whole month of celebration. You know, some of us do, anyways. I won't name them, but they are amongst us. <laughs> I didn't say no names, girl. You, you said shots fired, and the Lord's speaking just to you. Amen. God bless you. <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> but I think it's all right if we take the entire month to celebrate the most important, the most influential, the most righteous, the most holy the most worthy individual that has ever walked the face of the earth, the only person that was both God and man at the same time, Jesus, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, our Savior, our Redeemer. Is it all right if we just praise him one more time, Jesus? We love you, God. We're so thankful for everything that you've done, Lord. Jesus, we magnify you. We're thankful for your spirit. We're thankful for your blood. It's only by your blood that we're redeemed, that we're saved, that we're washed clean, that we're purified of our sins, Lord. Amen. Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenus was governor of Syria and all went to be taxed, every one into his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him and a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord, and this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Jesus, we're so thankful for your word and your testament, God. We're so thankful that we have the opportunity to learn more about you, to delve into your spirit by reading your word and by hearing your word, Lord. I thank you for your anointing being on every ear, every heart, and every mind, God. Open them to receive what you have in store for them, Jesus. Speak to us, Lord. Anoint my lips. And everybody said amen. 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 You may be seated. I preached not long ago. We were talking about the, the king's mantle. Where is the king's mantle? How many of you all remember that? Well, we were talking about the fact that a lot of times uh, we go through life and mantles are very, they're very powerful things. And we see them a lot in scripture. 
And all too often, I feel like as Christians, we're chasing after individuals with very specific mantles because that's human nature. Human nature pushes you to be in, in, in the limelight. It doesn't matter if you're, uh, if you're an extrovert or you're an introvert. Everybody likes to feel special. Am I right? Everybody likes to feel special. Everyone wants to feel special. And so as a result, we find ourselves as humans chasing after very specific mantles. And I was always curious about the mantle of the most important individual to ever live. And that was Christ. And we see in Scripture that Jesus foretold his spirit outpouring on the world when he allowed his outer garment his mantle, to be torn at the foot of the cross. While everyone was, was uh, going for his more costly inner garments, they simply threw aside his mantle and tore it into pieces. And for me, that was a very powerful revelation because it was a foretelling of the, the Lord. He was saying, I'm going to allow my mantle, my ministry, to be spread amongst all the nations, amongst all the people, even those that are currently crucifying me at this very moment. Those are the ones. That's a foreshadowing of you and I. By our sins, we slew Jesus at Calvary. By our sins. And he said, I'm going to allow my ministry, and I'm going to allow my mantle, and I'm going to allow my anointing to be divided up at the very foot of the cross and be given to the Gentiles, those who are most unworthy. It's a foreshadowing of the things that were to come. But I've come to tell somebody this morning, and I've, the Lord, He revealed more to me about this. And I was, in my mind's eye, I was still curious. Why was there no one there clamoring for the mantle of the greatest minister of all times? More than just a minister. More than just a redeemer, more than just a good teacher, more than just a savior, more than just a wise man, more than just a prophet, more than just a seer. God Almighty, manifest in flesh. Why was there no one clamoring for the mantle of this man? And I'm here to tell somebody that the same reason that no one is clamoring was clamoring for that mantle 2,000 years ago is the same reason no one's clamoring for the mantle today. Because this mantle that Jesus wore has very specific significance. We know that mantles told a lot about an individual. Could tell you if someone was blind or someone was leprous or someone was a, a, a member of the religious hierarchy or if someone was wealthy. You could tell a lot by their mantle. And so there had to be something specific about Jesus' mantle that made everyone just look at it and simply cast it aside. Be willing to tear it up into pieces. And for none of his followers to care enough to try to clamor after the mantle. You have to think how hard Elisha worked for Elijah's mantle. He was on him like ticks on a dog. Like white on rice. To where you go, I go. I'm going to be in your hip pocket. You're not going to get out of my sight. Why was there no one? Why was there no one 
clamoring after Jesus' mantle. We read in this scripture, I'm going to read it to you one more time, Luke chapter 2, and verse 12. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. So there are some, some very specific things about that portion of scripture I, I want to uh, point out to you. It was not uncommon to use swaddling clothes. And a lot of us, uh, we're very familiar, I'm very familiar with how swaddling works. But the technique that we use today is not the technique that they used back then. It, the technique they used back then kind of fell out of use in the 17th century. What they would do is they would take, how many of you ever, have ever seen pictures of a mummy? Like, he's all wrapped up in bandages, thin, thin linen bands. So those thin linen bands were only used for very few select set of purposes. Uh, they were used to swaddle infants. They were used to bandage wounds. And they were used to wrap the dead. And what they would do is they would wrap these very, very long, they would be 8 to 12 feet long, uh, linen cloths of varying grades, and they would wrap them around. That would first serve as the diaper. And then the rest of those bands, they would wrap around the child. And they would actually wrap them very tight. And this was, a, this was in order to restrict movement and prevent the baby from crying. And this was used for thousands of years as a technique used in Mesopotamia and then in Egypt. And the Jews picked it up. And so swaddling was very common. So swaddling wasn't necessarily uh, a sign of Jesus' lowly birth. Luke is pointing that out because Luke is a, he's a physician. So he, he pay, pays a lot of attention to detail specifically when it comes to the care of human beings. And he wants the Greeks, he's writing to the Greeks, he wants them to know that Mary, she was a good mother. First thing she did is she used swaddling clothes. But the important thing that we have to know is that those swaddling clothes, they were first used when a baby comes out. I know, I, well, I, I, we don't have a lot of young people in here, but what they show you in the movies is not how the baby comes out, my friends. Thing comes out with a peanut head, looking like an alien. I, I'll never forget uh, Whitney's cousin, he was my roommate in Bible college. He's the one that introduced us. And he called me up, and he was borderline, he was panicked. He was really panicked. He was scared. Yeah, I could hear it in his voice. I've never heard him like that. He, he said, Jesse, he's like, my, my daughter's been born and she has a skull deformity. I was, I was like, what do you mean? Is there, there's, there's cracks in it? You can see. Uh, he said, no, it's shaped like an alien. He's like, he said, imagine a jelly bean. That's how it's shaped. I said, Andrew, that's normal. The kid's head can't get out if it's all round. It's shaped like a jelly bean on purpose. It'll. <laughs> but when they come out, nobody's, nobody's baby but your own baby is cute. I, I promise you, when, when babies come out, if it's not your baby, you're going to be like, at least if you're a man, you're going to be like, very nice. You're touching it like, you know, like you would touch some exotic snake or something. Like. But what the swaddling would be used for is when a child comes out, you're all familiar. It has lots of mucus on it. And what they would do is they would take those swaddling clothes and they would wipe only the heaviest excess mucus off. And the rest, the thin layer, they would leave on the baby right after they were born. And that would act as a natural moisturizer. And they would get wrapped up very tight 
very, very tight. And then they would be placed in a small wooden rocker. They were very low to the ground. Uh, the, in, in antiquity, in that particular part of the world, even to this day, they don't use tables necessarily like you and I do. And they don't have beds necessarily. Well, maybe in the more modern countries like you and I do. But in old, what they would do is they'd have a very thin mat. And it was very close to the ground. So the baby's rocker would actually be very close to the ground. How many of you have seen like little toy rockers and they're, they kind of, they're, they're like wood, they're real small, real low to the ground, you can just kind of rock them. That's similar to what would have been used at Jesus' time. So what would happen is they would be wrapped, swaddled in these linen, these linen strips and then a very elegant wool, uh, wool woven blanket, a blanket that was, that was woven would be wrapped on top of that and then they would be placed in a tiny uh, little crib tiny little rocker but we noticed that there was no additional blanket placed over Jesus and he was not placed in a nicely crafted wooden rocker see the part that made Jesus' birth so recognizable isn't that he was swaddled it's what he was swaddled in and where he was placed now they were far from home there was no room at the inn. And they were having birth in a barn, which in that particular part of the world probably means she was having the baby in a cave that was used to house livestock like sheep and whatever else. It's not like that cute nativity. It's all warm and cozy and there's hay everywhere and the little cows are snuggling up next to Jesus. No, this was probably a cold, dark cave where some stinky old shepherd posted up right at the, the door of the cave, and he protected all the livestock so that animals couldn't get in and attack them. This was a little pit that they were having this baby in. And so we can assume because they were far away from home, and because there was no room at the inn, and because there was a great multitude of people in Bethlehem at the same time that were not necessarily inhabitants of that area that there's a strong possibility that there was also no midwife at this birthing and if there was no midwife it's safe to assume that there was also no fresh swaddling and if there was no fresh swaddling it's safe to assume that whatever they used was what was on hand and that means that the swaddling that was used could have only been used for one specific purpose that would have been the swaddling that they used to clean off the livestock as it was born. How many of you have ever been around livestock that's being born? It's, it's similar to a human, just a little uglier. And sometimes the little guys are cute when they come out, some, sometimes. But it's a, it's a dirty process. There's, there's mud everywhere. There's straw everywhere. Uh, we won't get into great details, but there's, if you haven't mucked the stalls that night, my brother, there's fecal matter in the area. You know what I'm saying? It's not a pretty sight. And so those linen rags that would have been used to clean off newborn animals, that would have been the only thing around. That's a pretty grotesque thing to consider. But you have to realize these were some pretty dire circumstances. This child was not placed in a warm wooden little rocker it was placed in a feeding trough a feeding trough where any manner of animal could stick their head in 
and eat whatever grub was in there for the taking. This was a rough situation. And so, from the very first hour that Jesus was born, he was clothed in what most people of the time would consider just simply rags that were used to clean off livestock. You see, the only people that would have used these particular types of rags or these particular strips of linen would be people that were preparing the dead, people that were bandaging wounds, people that were caring for, caring for livestock, people that were doing cleaning. Essentially, if you had linens on hand of this variety, you were probably in the medical field, or you were a servant, or you took care of livestock. And so we see from the very first hour that Jesus is born, he's not clothed in beautiful linens of a wealthy child and wrapped in a blanket that signified he had some great family lineage, which he did, and unfortunately he just didn't reap the benefits of those. But And then he wasn't placed in some immaculately crafted rocker. He was placed in a feeding trough. And so from the very first hour that Jesus was born, he was wrapped in a mantle that was very specific. And that mantle conveyed to people only one image. And that was this man was wrapped in the garments of a servant. He was wrapped in an item of clothing that only servants, only the lowest dregs of society, possibly even servants, wouldn't have to stoop so low to utilize these types of linens. But Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, within one hour of his existence on earth, is wrapped in the clothes of a servant. I want to talk about this subject just very briefly. The rags of a king. The reason that the mantle was so easily overlooked at the cross was because he very clearly wore the mantle of a servant. There was no one clamoring for this mantle. There was no one who would stick by his side through the very end, through thick and thin. No, this mantle would simply be torn off of his body and ripped into pieces and divided while they argued for the more costly inner garments. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 11. But he that is greatest among you shall be your pastor. But he that is greatest among you shall be your apostle. But he that is greatest amongst you shall be your teacher. He that is greatest amongst you shall be your evangelist. No, none of those things apply. He that is greatest amongst you shall be your worship leader. 
He that is greatest amongst you shall be your missionary. He that is greatest amongst you shall be your television speaker. No. He that is greatest amongst you shall be your servant. But all too often we find ourselves not clamoring for the mantle of a servant. John chapter 19 and verse 40. And they took the body of Jesus and wound it in linen cloths with spices. As the manner of the Jews is to bury. And those linen cloths again that's translated into those thin strips of linen. And so we see even though Jesus' mantle was ripped from him at Calvary. And he allowed it to be divided. As he goes into the grave, he is still wearing a very specific garment. One that identifies him from birth unto death and into burial as a servant. You know, it's very easy to recognize A servant's mantle. It's really easy to recognize a servant's mantle. You don't have to look for any specific markings. It can be very plain and very bland. But you'll still be able to recognize a servant's mantle. Because a servant's mantle will have blood. It'll have mucus. It'll have dirt. It'll have holes in it that have been patched over time and time again. A servant's mantle is really recognizable. And let me tell you why a servant's mantle has those things on it. It's because sometimes in life we encounter brothers and sisters who some of them have been wounded. See, while others are clamoring for more prestigious mantles, the servant, when they see that their brother is wounded, they immediately go and begin to try to clean those wounds and it will leave the blood of service on the mantle or perhaps their brother or their sister has fallen into sin and instead of just throwing them aside and pursuing a more prestigious mantle a servant will come and begin to wipe the dirt and the dirtiness and the uncleanness of that sin off let me help you let me let let me help you it's so good to see you And maybe the mantle will have some holes in it. And that's from where the enemy was attempting to shoot fiery darts at their brothers or their sisters. But they were able to protect them with the mantle. And they would have to go and patch. Or maybe it was a new babe in Christ. New babes in Christ are dirty. They're covered in mucus. They're not pretty to look at. They're vegetables, pretty much. I know. I've got a beautiful little vegetable right over there. He doesn't feed himself. He doesn't take himself to the bathroom. Actually, he doesn't really do anything besides just lay there and cry. But he's my little vegetable. Nobody better touch my little vegetable. But that's how babes in Christ are. They come. They're not capable of doing anything. You have to hand feed them. You... 
They can't walk anywhere. You have to carry them. And sometimes babes in Christ think they know better. Sometimes babes in Christ act like teenagers. I knew everything when I was 13 years old. I will never be as smart as I was then. You can ask my father. I knew everything there was to know about anything. And sometimes that's how babes in Christ are. And when they first arrive, you kind of got to clean the mucus off of them. And sometimes they don't stick it out. Sometimes they fall by the wayside. And then you'll see them months later. And they'll be coming through the door. And they'll be all dirty and they're covered in mucus again. And when those that are chasing more prestigious mantles look the other way, I don't have time for that, let alone get any of that filth on my mantle. The servant immediately comes. It's, it's, so, good to, it's so good to have you back. It's so good to have you back here. I, I'm so happy that you've decided to come back. And they start cleaning off all that dirt and all that blood and all that mucus. See, it's easy to recognize the mantle of a servant. It's not a beautiful mantle. It's not finely woven. It's covered in blood. It's covered in mucus. It's full of holes that have been patched over. It's got dirt stains on it that have dirt stains on it that you can't get out. Thank you. It's easy to recognize the mantle of a servant. I wonder if there's anybody in the house that is willing to put aside all other desires for any other mantles. You don't need to be some huge big name. Don't need to be on the church board. Don't need to have some awesome position title. You just want to pick up the mantle of a servant. Maybe you've, maybe you've never been baptized in Jesus' name. Maybe you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost. Today is your day. And don't worry about any other mantle. There's a man that came 2,000 years ago and he said, I don't care what you've done. I love you so much that I'm going to give my life for you. I'm going to suffer all manner of things for you. I'm going to shed my blood for you. And then after it's all said and done, even though it was your actions that killed me, I'm going to tear, allow my mantle to be torn and given to you. And it might not look glorious, but it's the mantle of a servant. It's the rags of a king. And if you'll put on this mantle, if you'll wrap yourself in these rags... The Lord will do all manner of things through your life. Things that you never imagined were possible. If you would put aside a desire for all other mantles. And only strive for the rags of a king. Only strive for the mantle of Jesus. Only strive to be a servant. I don't want to condemn uh, Walmart. The staff over there was great. If you guys are thinking about doing that uh, order thing where you order your groceries and then the homies bring it out to you, give it a good length of time because they're running behind. 
So I was over there because they were supposed to have the groceries out to me at 4. And uh, so I had quite a bit of time, and I was just sitting, and I was kind of meditating, and I was like, wow. I was thinking about uh, Wesley and Vivian, how they have just a, a, just, they have a tremendous heritage. And um, so I started writing down, and I had to make some calls and ask about some names. Uh, and I was able to compile a list of their apostolic heritage, which I thought was kind of fun. Maybe later in my uh, non-existent free time, I'll draw a, a tree so I can place all those names on there. But I found out that my children are fourth generation by two family lines. And they're fifth generation by four family lines. And they're sixth generation by one family line. It's a culmination of 34 generations of apostolics that have produced these two kids. And that's, that's tremendous. But it, it wasn't a, a lineage of these huge big-name prophets and televangelists. And amazing worship leaders and pastors and it wasn't, and don't get me wrong, we had a lot of those in the family. But that's not what defined their heritage. It wasn't that there was big names lit up with bright lights. It's that there was 34 generations of servants. 34 generations of servants that paved the way for them. I was thinking about um, my great-grandmother, some of the things that she faced, and my grandfather, who's a first-generation apostolic. I was thinking about my wife's great-grandmother, who was from, uh, uh, her, her, her family is from Jalisco, Mexico, and her husband's family is from Chihuahua, Mexico, and they met when they migrated to Texas for work. And her, I think I've told the story before, when her great-grandmother was first saved, her, made her husband furious, and he was an alcoholic, and he, he came to her one night with a gun, and he stuck it to her head, and he said, if you ever go to church again, I'm going to kill you. And so she prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And it was not fortunate for him, but only four days later, the Lord took his life tragically. But she continued to go to church. There wasn't any individuals that books will be written about them in the beginning, perhaps. But there were 34 generations of servants that paved the way. It doesn't matter if you have 34 generations or if you have one generation or if you're the first generation. All that matters is this. That when the foundation of your family line and this great name is paved, that it be paved using and wearing a mantle of service. Because it won't matter how great of a speaker you were. It won't matter how much big of a prophet or an evangelist. won't matter how powerful an apostle you were. won't matter how great you sang, how good of a worship leader you were. All that will have matters is that you were a servant. Because that's the mantle. That's the mantle that the king wore. 
and all other mantles are inferior to that mantle. That's why Jesus says so clearly in Scripture, the greatest amongst you, the greatest amongst you will be a servant, will be a servant, will be a servant. I wonder if there's anybody in the house that just longs for the mantle of a servant. And that you'd be able to wear that mud, that blood, those tears, those holes as a badge of honor. This is the king's mantle. This is the same mantle that Jesus wore. Not to boast on it, but to boast in him. I was most unworthy, but the king allowed me to wear his mantle. As you stand right now, I wonder if there's anyone in the house. If this hasn't spoken to you, it spoke to me. And that I, if it speaks to one, that's all that matters, I guess. But God is longing for a people that will put aside all other mantles and say the greatest calling, the greatest election, the greatest ministry that you could ever possess would be that of simply a servant. Not my will, God, but ever you want, Jesus. It's easy to recognize the mantle of a servant. And while there are some that will never understand, this is, in fact, the most prestigious mantle you can wear. And so as you come to this altar, I pray that you would ask the Lord, Lord, above all else, bestow upon me this mantle God I want to be a servant I want to serve you with my whole heart and my whole mind God I don't care about anything else Lord help me put aside my own desires my own wants and help me to pick up this mantle the mantle of a servant your mantle Jesus Come on, I'm speaking to you in the Holy Ghost right now. The Lord's wanting to move on somebody. If you've never been filled with His Spirit, baptized in Jesus' name, this is your morning. You can come up and be buried in a watery grave right here, and the Lord will fill you with His Spirit by the evidence of speaking in other tongues. God's wanting to bestow some mantles upon somebody this morning. God's wanting to bestow the mantle of a servant.